everyone. Welcome back. Let's get rolling. It's episode nine of the Wobcast 2.0. Do we like that? Is the topic du jour as the Vikings move to seven and one? I am your host, Wobby Mike Wobshaw, joined as always by Giles and Chase, chomping at the bit to talk Vikings with you. We've been gone for a couple of weeks due to wedding, bye week, and honeymoon from yours truly. So I've got a couple of uh, partners here who are ready and anxious to talk Vikings. I am as well, and we know you guys are excited to listen and join in on the conversation with the Minnesota Vikings remaining on fire at 7-1 and one after a 20-17 to 17 victory over the Washington Commanders. With that, I bring in Giles and I bring in Chase. Hey, fellas, how's it going? Hey, how we doing? Glad to be back. Um, super stoked after another victory, moving us to seven and one. And I just have to say, uh, I really hope next week that we can move the chains literally and figuratively, both on the field and on the plane under Kirk Cousins' neck after the Bills next week. Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Chase is giggling. Uh, I am, you know, uh, almost rolling my eyes because that is one of the topics of the show. That is one of the segments. We're going to get into that. A a new version of Kirk Cousins that we're starting to see. Do we like that? We'll get into talking about that later down the road. But first, let's talk about this game that we saw on Sunday, guys. Uh, the Vikings win 20 to 17. And I, I want to talk, um, uh, you know, I think we see a team that the arc of these games is very similar. And I, I, I feel like it starts off great and we're really excited and pumped up. And then we kind of get like two thirds away through the game and we start getting like nervous and feels like it's slipping away. And then at the end of the game, something great happens and we love our team and we're super high and pumped. Like mm -hmm. this is the arc of a lot of the games this year. And it was so yesterday. And mm -hmm. so from a general standpoint, before we get into the specifics of the game, how TJ Hawkinson looked and uh, hold the phone on the regression of Eric Kendricks and some of these other things, the arc of our games, guys, do we like that? Are we comfortable with the arc of these games and how they're going? Because it's a little bit of a roller coaster, I think, for people watching. I could not agree more. I think uh, if you look at it from a whole, I would definitely agree. If you look at it from an offense and defensive standpoint, I will say our our defense is on the rise. I think we're doing a better in a lot of categories. Coverage is still a little bit of a concern, uh, but our pass rush has definitely brought up the heat. Uh, so we're definitely getting better in a lot of categories, including uh, uh, points allowed in, in that respect. We are uh, uh, seventh in, uh, in that respect. Uh, or my apologies, eighth in that respect um, yeah. after the last week. Um, but when you look at it from a whole, um, I am starting to wonder if some of this is intentional and tell me if I'm completely reading the tea leaves incorrectly, but okay. I view uh, KLC as a smart dude. He, he is a master strategist. And if you look across the league at the Rams, they're struggling in a lot of categories. Obviously they have some injuries. Their offensive line is, is just decimated, uh, yeah. but they're really getting figured out in a lot of respects based on where they were last year. Um, and what I see out of the Vikings is that they have the ability to score and move the ball when necessary to the point where I wonder, uh, like I just came from a negotiation training last week. And one of the big pieces of negotiation is putting yourself into a position to succeed in that you can do one thing a million different times and people are going to expect it versus when something's happening over here, if you do it enough times then you can come with a left hook, right? Yeah. If they are intentionally giving up some 
yards and not uh, having as much production during the middle of the game, knowing that we know the few plays that we know are going to work, I'd much rather pull the trigger on them during the last four minutes of each half uh, and use that as a mechanism to win than exercise them during the regular por portion of the game and uh, use them up and then get stopped. I might be completely wrong, but it feels like they're they're giving the one-two punch to some teams, like making themselves seem not as... as uh, capable of moving the ball until they need to. I don't know. Yeah. I'd love your thoughts. Okay. So I don't think teams ever in the middle of a competitive game, which this one was, mm -hmm. I don't think they take their foot off the gas. And I don't okay. think you're suggesting that either. No, so, no. Yep. Nope. You're not suggesting that. And I don't think they take their foot off the gas. I think everything they do in the middle of a competitive game, they are doing balls to the wall and it's designed okay to succeed and score like okay. the play is yep. designed to, to score. Um, I think when that changes is when the game is in hand or if the outcome of the game doesn't mean anything, right. That mm -hmm. happens at the end of a the season. Then I think you get some exceptions there, but before any of those situations, I think everything is designed to win, to succeed, to score. Mm -hmm. However, no question about it they reserve tactics and plays for certain parts of the game. No, I, yeah. I don't. I, to lead no. with that situational masters type mentality. Yeah. And I've never been around Kevin O'Connell um, to know that for a fact about Kevin, but I was around the three previous head coaches and was fortunate enough to be involved enough to be able to know that, that mm -hmm. there are things that you've got reserved for certain parts of the game. It might be two minute. It mm -hmm. might be when you're backed up. It might be, you know, your four minute offense when you've got a one score lead and you're trying to run the clock out. There's, there's no question about it. And I think when you're really in a rhythm on offense, I think you can even go so far as to say, we're reserving things for a week or two out. Like we're doing these, these things right here in this game, because we know the Buffalo bills who we play next week are going to watch this game tape and they're going to prepare mm -hmm. for it a certain way, but yep. we got this twist on this sort of concept. And um, you know, there's all sorts of anecdotal examples we could get into, but they just don't matter. We'd need visual cues to make it make sense. But from, from the past and Kevin Stefanski was very good at this when he was running the show for the Vikings. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think he learned it from Norv and I think he learned it from Bill Musgrave. And I think he learned it from Brad Childress and he took sort of the best parts of all those guys and tried to put it together. And mm -hmm. I'm sure Kevin O'Connell is no different. And I'm seeing my instinct has always been that Kevin O'Connell knows what he's doing, that he wasn't going to come from a successful coaching tree and then struggle on his own, which we've seen a lot of people do from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. Mm -hmm. I, I think Kevin O'Connell, he strikes me as a guy who took copious notes while working underneath Sean McVay mm -hmm. and knowing he was going to get a shot. And when he got his shot, he was going to do it his way. He was going to have his way of doing it, but it's got that, Sean McVay, Mike Shanahan, Matt LaFleur identity. Cause he's, yep. he takes influence from all those guys. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I feel very good about the Vikings future being run by Kevin O'Connell. I really think he knows what he's doing now. He's got to get his players to execute it. And right now for the most part, he's getting that done, but yeah, I, I think you hit on a, a good point Giles. I think that is happening throughout the game. So I think the design is to do that and is to reserve some things for when it matters most. But it part of the design is not for the things you're doing in the interim to not work well 
and to get down 17, seven, like that is not <laughs> what they're hoping for. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a yeah. dangerous strategy. If it yep, was <laughs> for sure. And you know, I think the other thing we, we got to remember about this whole thing about starting fast and you sort of level off or, or maybe lose your lead. And then you, you pour the gas on at the end. I mean, I mean, these teams are getting the other teams getting paid too. Right. I mean, Washington, Washington is to me that that was a choke job yesterday and they looked awful in the fourth quarter, you know, but like Washington has had moments this season where they've been pretty tough, I think. And I think their defense is on the come a little bit. I really like what they, what the, some things they do on defense. So oh, their this was not a line is amazing. Yeah. I mean, this was not a cakewalk opponent for the Vikings. I think they've had a pretty easy schedule, but this mm-hmm. was not an easy opponent. This is an on the road game, not great weather, pretty, pretty good environment, um, yep. for, for road games as they yep. go in the national football league and a good defense. And mobile I quarterback. Th- yeah. Mo- yeah. Mobile quarterback. I thought there were some things that did not look good for the Vikings, but all in all, I mean, they got on a, on an airplane and flew home with a victory and it's their seventh one of the season. I don't know how you don't feel good about that. So, um, I, so, you know, do we like that? I like that they won the game. I don't love the, I don't love the up and down nature of it. You know, I'd mm-hmm. like to see more. I'd like to see it level off a little bit. And, you know, I'm watching the Chiefs and Titans last night, guys. And, I, you know, I think if the Vikings are down 17-7 to the Chiefs or the Vikings, I, I think they have a hard time coming back and winning, you yeah. know. So I would definitely agree. I do yeah. think, once again, that the defense is improving. If you look at where they were in week one to maybe week three or four and where they yeah. are today. I don't want to say they're a different defense, but they've made huge strides in dialing up the pressures, which has dramatically helped out the uh, the coverage. I think yeah. we're still struggling a little bit in the uh, uh, in the slot corner position, um, but I think yeah. things are getting much better in defense. Um, we're a bend, don't break type of defense. We're getting very opportunistic. We've gotten yeah. uh, a lot of different picks and things like that. Um, I honestly think the issue is on offense, and I, I say that... Uh, uh, timidly, because I do think we are getting better. I think the number one thing that is, or the top two things that have plagued our offense has been drops. Like if you look at the Philly game, we dropped 12 passes. If you even catch oh, six really? of those, I think we Wasn't win 12. that game. I, th- I think we win that game handedly. Um, I think that looked far worse than it was. Now we lost the game. I mean, hindsight's 2020, but drops were plaguing our team across the whole, uh, the whole season. Even, even, uh, yesterday, um, Adam Thielen dropped a few, which he historically does not do. And I think that would have converted a lot more third downs and yeah. may have resulted in more scores. So uh, sure. drops have been kind of a, a low-key issue for our team. And the second is pass protection. Our interior offensive line has been a little bit atrocious. And we can get into more of that later. But uh, uh, my point is I think it's it's uh, okay considering that we are starting to clean up some of the things that uh, um, we previously have seen. The drops have yeah. gotten way fewer uh, and we're, we're headed in the right direction. Yep. Well, I, I want you, I think we should get into that Giles and I, I'm just going to do um, a little lay of the land here in the NFC. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I know you've got some notes that you want to get into maybe some PFF stuff, but, yeah. um, and then we can weave sort of um, some of the individual components of the game that we liked or didn't like while you're going through some of the season long PFF trends, but while you're getting those notes ready, you know, just taking a look at the NFC um, you know, the Vikings sitting at seven, seven and one right now, essentially the second seed in the NFC. Do we like that? Yeah. We, we love where the Vikings are in the NFC right now. And sign me up. Yep. The, the, the NFC is down this year, I think. Um, but I think there are some things happening in the NFC that are positive that we didn't foresee, you know, and that's a really competitive and good NFC East. Um, and that is uh, also, I think a better than it, appears to be NFC West. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think people think the NFC West is down and struggling, but I think there are some good teams there. I think yeah. that's that's a tough division, and I think the NFC East arrow is pointing up and is tougher than people thought. So while the NFC is probably down relative to the AFC, I think the NFC is is competitively a little tougher than I thought it was going to be. Um, the Vikings, though, are seven and one. They are they are head and shoulders above anyone else in their division. I'm not going to say it's over in the NFC North, but it's it's almost over. I mean, the Vikings are seven and one, and up next is Green Bay and Chicago at three and six. And the Vikings have a victory over Green Bay already. So if you're waiting for the light to suddenly come on in Green Bay, that's fine. But even if it does, that's a that's a tall hill to climb. Even if Green Bay turns into the Green Bay we've always known, that's still I still don't think they can get there. Um, so Vikings clear sailing in the NFC North. They're going to battle the Eagles probably for number one seed and home field advantage in the NFC. And if they fall short of that, they'll be the two seed and they'll be looking at, you know, a wild card team that could just barely be above 500. I mean, you've got no one above 500 in the NFC South yep. and only one team above 500 in the NFC West. So yep. to me, the Vikings are in a very strong position right now. Granted, they have some tougher games coming up than they've played. Dallas, mm-hmm. New England, uh, Buffalo, um, but they haven't played well either. And I expect mm-hmm. them to start playing really well. And then who's going to beat them? Yeah. I mean, people can't beat them right now and they're not playing that well. What what happens when they actually start clicking? So, Seriously. yep. So I really like where the Vikings sit right now. Um, this is probably as optimistic or positive as I've been on them all season is right now as they sit at seven and one. Because at some point, Giles and Chase, at some point, you, it's not just that you're playing weak teams and you're getting lucky. At some point, you're kind of you're, you're pulling the right levers and punching the right buttons, and you got a little bit of destiny to you. Mm-hmm. And I think we're getting close there at 7-1 and one at this point in the season. So would be curious, though, to hear um, Giles or Chase, you two, season-long trends, PFF notes that you have. Um, give me some of your highlights, Giles, because I know you've been pouring over some of those notes like you always do. Oh, yeah, 100%. Got to love uh, the details and the data. Uh, and I will say, uh, I think a common misperception when they look across the the entire NFL, if not just the NFC this year, a lot of people say that there's bad football, so to speak, uh, happening. And don't get me wrong, there definitely is bad football. But I think there is a difference between the the usual suspects that are great being great and having a number of great players and having bad teams. Uh, that makes sense. I think there's a lot more even-keeledness, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, across the NFL, where Typically, and correct me if you would disagree on this, but typically I think you would see some teams that get off to a hot start and then they regress back to 500 or they get off to a horrible start and then they work themselves back up to 500. And at the end of the season, you look at, oh, there's there's kind of an average, a lot of 500 teams. Um, I think this year it's happening throughout the season. Instead of having people go up and then down or down then and up, I think you're just seeing a lot of people beat each other where there's so many more 500 teams and historically at this point in the season where it looks like bad football, but really is there's just a relatively even playing field where yeah. I don't want to disc- I don't want to uh, uh, praise or criticize the Vikings record, but I think in some respects people are like, oh, it's been bad teams, so we shouldn't give them any credit. I think they're better teams than what people realize. It's sure. just the records have come about in a different way. Um, but ultimately I see the team improving in a lot of different categories, um, especially defensively. And I think we're the about the seventh best defense in the league right now, according to PFF. Uh, and we're the third best tackling unit, the eighth best pass rush. Um, Zadarius Smith is, I believe the number one, um, or number one in pressures right now. And he's second in sacks only because the guy from uh, the Patriots got like four sacks yesterday. And now he yeah. has 12 in the season. But the point is we're doing much better on a defensive realm where we can at least keep, teams at bay 
So then you kick it back over to the off offensive side of the ball, and that's where I think uh, things are still not clicking, but they are clicking in a much better way than they were last week or the week before or the week before that. Yeah. Um, and really see us moving forward in the right direction. And then you go make a splash like TJ Hawkinson. I truly believe that's going to be a game changer, especially going into the Bills game after KOC gets a whole nother week to be able to game plan for Hawkinson and actually creatively use him because our entire offensive philosophy is predicated on 11 personnel. At least up until this point, we played yep. 80 plus or 80% plus snaps with 11 personnel with a severely below average tight end room. And I mean that with all due respect to the players, but ultimately they weren't performing very well. And that's Irv Smith uh, Jr. included. So when you add one of the best tight ends in the league, and I truly believe he is one of the best. I think uh, a lot of people look at some of production numbers and they say, oh, he's not a Kelsey or he's not a Waller or he's not a Kittle. And he may not necessarily be those players, but I believe if I remember correctly, he was second in average um, uh, yards per catch uh, up until this last week. And now he still ended the game with 70 yards. I think he is going to be a game changer for our offense because that adds an entirely large wrinkle into 11 personnel where you have three wide receivers, you have a running back and you have a tight end. And when you have all stars at every one of those positions, what does the, the defense on the opposite side of the ball do to try to stop one of those people? If they take one yeah. piece away, now we can hit them with a bunch of others yeah. versus before if they were able to take away the wide receivers and the running back, I mean, well, the running back, even if we didn't do a running play, um, our tight ends couldn't get the job done. That that flips the entire table on its head um, now with T.J. Hawkinson. So I'm very excited to see how that adds into our offense. Um, there's a lot of really good things to come, in my opinion. Um, yeah. At least that's the, the the good from that. So any comments on the, the good no, before I, I get to the bad? I, yeah, no, I do have one. Uh, and I, I do want to hear what, what the what the Mr. Hyde side of the – wait, who is the bad one, Jekyll or Hyde? Jekyll was bad and Hyde is good? I, can't remember. I think so. Anyway, that sounds right. Yeah. So until you get to the flip side, um, I concur with you on Hawkinson. I didn't see that coming. It, it, it shouldn't surprise me anymore, but it surprised me to see an, an inner division trade like that. Um, but then as I thought about it, I can't remember where I was when I saw that come across the wire, but I was like, Ooh, that, that makes some sense there. I like mm -hmm. Hawkinson to the Vikings. Um, I just think he's a good fit with cousins. I think they have, they both have an affinity and appreciation and an ability to execute precision with mm -hmm. route running and timing. I don't think Hawkinson is just a beast of an athlete who, no matter what you do, he's going to overcome you. It's not him. He's a good route runner. And if you throw it accurately to him, it's going to work. Well, you got he's a really accurate. Five. Yeah. You yeah. got a really accurate quarterback with a really good route running athletic tight end. I mean, that makes sense. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, um, I think that was a really good get for the Vikings and it surprised me. And truthfully, I was never really high on Irv Smith, even when the team drafted him, I saw some good things on tape from Alabama, but I just didn't, I didn't see it. It didn't suit my mind's eye. It's, it's kind of hard to explain, but it was a lot like how I felt about Kellen Mond. I'm like, just mm -hmm. doesn't suit my eye. I don't see it. I felt mm -hmm. that way about Irv Smith. Everyone felt the opposite way. They loved him for a lot of reasons. Yep. But, you know, sometimes the best ability is availability and Irv just really hasn't been available either. And so and that's not all his fault. Um, yep. Some of that is bad luck. Hawkinson is a clear upgrade. I think I think I'd rather have 80 percent of Hawkinson over 100 percent of Irv Smith, you know, and I would even say into 50 percent. Yeah. So that's honest. just how I feel about his fit in this offense. Um, yep. And also you're getting, you know, Irv Smith was an inherited piece for Kevin O'Connell. And now you're getting in TJ Hawkinson, a piece that they went and got. 
-hmm. like like they didn't just go and you know find him and pick him up because it was a great deal like they they went and got him right so so they want him so really like that fit i think it's going to help a lot um and now i'm interested to hear what the flip side is here on on some of the pff and and the season long trends that you got yeah, hundred percent. Um, so yeah, I completely agree on Hawkinson. But I would say uh, in this past week, uh, like I mentioned before, the biggest uh, liability for the entire Minnesota Vikings team was the interior offensive line, uh, sure. and more specifically, uh, Cleveland of all people. I think he's been playing pretty well up into this point. But after yesterday, uh, in in yesterday's game, uh, he ended the day with a zero point zero PFF grade. Ew, how do you do that? That's what I am wondering. Like, you would say an atrocious game is below 40. Like, oh my God, he got a 30. This guy got a zero, a literal zero. That's how bad his game was. So if anything, I should put Kirk Cousins into the winner category because like him or hate him, he is atrocious against pressure. And he got uh, his left guard to get a zero PFF grade and we were still able to find a way to win. Um, now, I will say the entire interior defensive line for the, the commanders is magnificent they have one of the best in the entire league um but ultimately that'll be a liability moving forward if we can't figure that out um but i guess not to 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 harp on the the negative points but a positive out of the negative is that i don't think we are going to find as good of an interior defensive pass rush across the league as we found in the commanders moving forward Mm -hmm. unless we find the commanders again later in the season uh, or into the postseason i think uh, thankfully, we've, we'll, we'll be able to figure out what went wrong, and we won't have to face as much talent in that position uh, as we did with the Commanders. But ultimately, um, Cleveland did not perform well. And then uh, more of a consistent issue, Ed Ingram. Um, I really want to root for him. He's making a lot of mistakes, but more importantly, those mistakes are rookie mistakes. They are fixable. They're just not fixable in a week or two. That's mm-hmm. where I'm concerned like, how do you move forward? Because you don't want to train wreck his career by removing him. But at the end of the day, he's potentially train wrecking your games. And he's removing your ability to be consistently productive on offensive drives because he's giving up so many pressures and, and he's getting uh, defensive linemen in Kirk's face. And we all know who Kirk is. And if you know who Kirk is, you got to build a game plan around him. I'm of half a mind to say, Ed Ingram, we love you. But next season is when you're going to start starting. We're going to bring in Chris Reed, uh, who, if you remember correctly, he played for the Colts last year. And when Quentin Nelson, arguably one of the best left guards and right guards in the game, went down, he stepped in and he posted a, above a 70 PFF grade in pass protection. I like if I'm uh, if I'm uh, Kevin O'Connell, I would be of half a mind to say, you know what, Chris Reed needs to come in temporarily just so we can give Kirk a little bit more time because the interior of our of our offensive line is what's causing our our uh, deficiencies. Yep. And, you know, we haven't seen Dalvin just have a great game yet. Yeah. Giles, you know, and Mm -hmm. maybe that's part of it. I think it's Uh, mostly offensive line. Yeah. And that could be part of it. Yeah. Yep. Um, And I think that is, you know, we we talked earlier about, man, the Vikings are winning seven out of eight games. They haven't even played well yet. Just wait till they start clicking. Then they're really going to be hard to beat. Well, I think part of that just start clicking is Dalvin Cook running for four and a half and five yards of carry consistently. Mm-hmm. And now you're working in your play action and your bootlegs and all that stuff. Because if, if teams are straining to stop a really productive Vikings rushing attack, they are going to be very hard pressed to mm-hmm. stop Justin Jefferson and Kirk cousins and TJ Hawkinson and Thielen. That's, that's just going to be hard to stop if you're having yeah. to, to really seriously worry about Dalvin cook. And, yeah. and right now you got to prepare for Dalvin and go into it knowing you need to stop him. But like, you're not looking at Dalvin right now like you're looking at Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry or Joe Mixon. You're just not threatened by 
mm. by him in that way based on production. And I think what you're saying or suggesting is that's an interior offensive line issue. That That is why that is. I completely uh, agree with that. that. That's 100% what's happening. And I think it's mostly happening on the interior side of the fence. When we run schemes that uh, that go to the outside, I think our tackles are doing great, especially Darius. I think he posted um, a 92 grade in uh, run blocking yesterday. Yeah. 92 grade. That is elite. That is all pro level run blocking. Uh, yep. But when running through the, the, the interior, you get a zero. um that's that's going to be an issue um you can have the best running back in the league but if your offensive line can't block for it then you are train wrecking your game because the entire precedence of the entire game is when you do something as a defense take away our thing now we're going to attack you the other way if you take that thing away then we're going to go back to the other thing and you need at least a decent run game to be able to do that and if our offensive line can't do that that's where i think you produce a game that's so close yeah the moment you figure that run game i think we're going to go off with games Yep, I, I think you're right. And you're hitting on something, Giles, that I've always thought, you know, has been a misperception about football. And that's the whole, like, we want a balanced attack. And that is not sitting there looking at the box score and being like, okay, 34 runs, 34 pass attempts. That is not the type of balance that you want to achieve. Balance is in a game that calls for running, you can run. Or a situation that calls for running, you can run. But in a game or situation that calls for passing, you can pass, right? That's balance, is the ability to do either one based on what is being commanded or demanded of you to do. So Mm -hmm. that is true balance. I don't know that the Vikings have achieved that here yet this season. Um, But it doesn't matter because they're 7-1 and and... I'd be curious to see if they've if they've got some changes. I think maybe I'm looking at the schedule, Giles. If you were going to do that, is it, it would it be too late to do it? You got at Bills on Sunday, mm-hmm. then uh, at home to Dallas the following Sunday, and then a short week Thursday night New England on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So now after these next three games, you'll have ten days before you play the Jets. Maybe that's a time where. If it's not better by then, it's like, you know what? We're going to use these extra two or three days and we're going to make a lineup change here. Yeah. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe you can do it in, in a one week thing. But I think I think you got to be careful not to rock the boat too much with let's not be stagnant here. Let's keep trying to improve. I think you got to find that balance somewhere. Correct. Especially if Ed Ingram continues to play that way he's been playing because he played, he had a 42 grade in pass protection yesterday, which better mm-hmm. than, uh, than uh, Cleveland, but that's still yeah. very, very poor. That's been, I believe, maybe his highest uh, this season as a 42 grade. He has not done well in pass protection, which mm-hmm. once again is, is rookie mistakes, but I don't see any improvements happening to that. Um, mm-hmm. They're easy to fix. Don't get me wrong. Well, Easy and simple are different things, but like they're they're fixable, but I don't see them fixable in a couple weeks, um, nor do I see the improvements happening where they'll be fixed by the end of the season. Now, sure. you don't want to train wreck his confidence, but at the end of the day, if you believe you can go the distance this season, which the sheer fact that you traded for TJ Hawkinson tells me that you believe that you have a shot, um, let's put ourselves into a position to do so. And right now, the right guard position is the number one issue because, I mean, the offensive line is an entire as an entire unit is uh, it, it's it's uh, based on your weakest link. And I think uh, based on the way that offensive lines work, you shift left or right, depending on how you want to accommodate for those weaknesses. And 
if you can fix the right guard position, then if you are in a game where your left guard is struggling, then you don't have two positions that are struggling. Then you can sure. shift and make up for those deficiencies versus when you have two train wrecks, you have very little wiggle room versus, you know, if you have all good, relatively good spots, then if one person has a bad game, then you can flex and make up for that in any given moment. Um, so although I'm, I'm not an advocate for giving up on Ingram, I think he has a shot. I think he has the the size and power to be a great guard, but he needs more time to develop. Yep. It's just a matter of reality. Yeah. And, and that's okay. We'll give him, you know, we'll give him that. It's not uncommon for a rookie to need that time. I mean, we're, we're looking at, you know, a second round pick who you expect to be able to play rather quickly, but also, you know, it, it's a rough world in the trenches in there, you know, for, mm -hmm. for a young kid and he's a kid still. Um, so, you know, we'll give him some time to develop, but, um, I think to me, I look at Ed Ingram and I won't be surprised if he turns into a solid starter in the league, but yep. I agree with you. The numbers bear it out. The grades bear it out and the eye test bears it out. He's not there yet. Yep. He's just not there yet. So, yep. um, and, and this, this was a, a pretty good test. Uh, this defensive line that the commanders have was a good test. And I think we see the results. Well, we got mm -hmm. some improvement that still needs to be made. Yep. Um, before we move on, any other uh, notes you wanted to empty out on uh, stats, PFF stuff, or, or the commanders game? Uh, two quick things that I wanted to add to the positives from the game that I think were really good leading indicators for the rest of the season. One, Jordan Hicks had an amazing game. He posted a 92.5 PFF grade. Okay. Um, did amazing in coverage and pass rush and run defense. He was a dog all day. So I think yep. awesome hire. I think uh, he's going to prove very, very valuable down the stretch this season. Uh, but more importantly, Caleb Evans. Uh, I when had Dal that. Dantzler went down, he yep. played magnificent. Yep. Um, that goes to show if we can develop Booth and we got a Caleb Evans, I think we have a pretty solid corner room here for the future. Yep. Super excited for him. I have him looking at it right now. I had him highlighted in my notes. Um, and what I was going to say about Evans, guys, was <clears> – <throat> I like the, um, I don't know if, do you follow him on social? I don't know if I do. Is he posting some cool stuff? Well, I just like his attitude. Yeah. I like his attitude on social and I like the juxtaposition I see when he's on the field. Mm -hmm. I see an edgy, cocky, but confident, but grounded yeah. player on the field. And then on social, I just see a really gregarious sort of wide eyed, um, gratuitous person like I, I i don't know i um i i just like it i like the mix there um and um i i think that's a good find for the vikings fourth round pick guys you know and we're sitting here on after after the eighth game of the season talking about how he's helping and we like him and he's a fourth round yeah. pick that's a really good one yeah um so i appreciate it caleb evans yeah, I mean, obviously the world doesn't happen in a vacuum, but if you use yesterday's game as kind of the, the measure of the draft, you could say that Evans is the best uh, player drafted thus far. Like, yeah. he is doing great. I think Booth is not in a position where he can play yet or at least play productively. Yeah. I think he probably has too much of the grab. He's still, um, yeah. still maybe has a good future with us at corner, but a Caleb Evans doing phenomenal. Yeah. Um, also heard that he's been hanging out a lot with uh, Patrick Peterson, so uh, maybe that's blending in a little bit to his success as well. So that's a good uh, idea. exciting to see those positions develop across the defense because we've had some struggles as of late in the defensive category for the Vikings. So that's a huge one to have a good win in and more importantly to have the depth in as yep. you move forward throughout the season. Yep. Agreed. Now, um, I want to move on and, and preview the bills here in a minute. Um, yeah. and then, then we'll wrap it up and get out of here. Uh, but before we do that, um, I 
I don't love the like Kirk Cousins with the shirt off and the chains and the airplane <laughs> stuff. I am having a hard time with that. A- am I too critical? Am I overthinking this? Am I get off my lawn guy? Am I, you know, Clint Eastwood? Like, I can't remember the, what was the name of that movie? He was, oh yeah. Uh, I forget. I know what you're referring to. Yeah. yeah. Am I, yep. am I that to that? Or am, am I grounded and reasonable here guys? Well, like, um, you're the only one in the group that's actually met him. So, uh, sorry, go ahead, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was actually going to bring that up. Um, I actually think that obviously team culture isn't something that's like as measurable as like a statistic or like a PFF rating. But um, I think the importance of it is so oftentimes overlooked because if I think you can take a couple things away from it. A, thank you, Kevin O'Connell. Because look at last year's locker room, look at this year's locker room, look at last year's plane rides home and this year's play, yeah. plane rides home. Um, the guys are having fun. They want to play for us. Um, and on the other side of that, look at TJ Hawkinson when he comes into this team. He's um, He's been all smiles. He's been so excited to be here. I mean, he went nine for nine, 70 yards. Like that doesn't happen for a player who doesn't want to be here. Yeah. Um, and in the, in the postgame uh, locker room, you could just tell that him and O'Connell already kind of have this bond. That's like, they just kind of have each other's backs. They trust each other. But at the same time, I just want to, you know, put that onto onto Sunday's game and kind of put that put that lens on there. And a team under Mike Zimmer does not does not win that game because um, we weren't supposed to win that game. We we were down what ten with twelve minutes to go. Yeah. A team under Mike Zimmer does not win that game. A team with no culture does not win that game. Um, but a team that you know is one unit out there instead of eleven individuals. Um, I think that's really important. And honestly, I think I'm not gonna say this is our Super Bowl or anything, but it was like an early payoff um, to the culture that we built for the first, you know, nine weeks of the season. And I think that you really can't overlook that because yes, it's funny for the fans to see, and oh, you know, there he's dancing with his shirt off, whatever, but that does mean, I mean, they're brothers out there. They're one unit, you know? So, and that's yep. really important. I, I think there is something to be said for that chase. I, 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 that's a well-taken point. And I think you're right that it's a culture thing. I don't, you know, I would say like the 2017 Vikings was probably peak Mike Zimmer Mm -hmm. and that squad would have won that would have had the culture to come back and win that. So like, Mm -hmm. I don't like the Colts just fired uh, Frank Reich. Mm -hmm. I don't think that, you know, Frank Reich never had a good culture or didn't know how to build culture. I think there was a peak Frank Reich Colts time where, Mm -hmm. you know, they had the right culture and they had it clicking on all cylinders. Same thing for Zimmer. So I don't think it's like, a Zimmer team never would have won that game, but I think you're right that last year's Vikings under Mike Zimmer never would have won that game because they didn't have the culture. They didn't have the brotherhood. I think you're right about that. And this year's Vikings team does have it. And what's I think striking about this is that Kevin O'Connell has been able to build this in his first year. Mm -hmm. So how much of that is a credit to Kevin O'Connell and his ability and the strings he's pulling and how much of that do we credit Spielman and Zimmer for having a good structure in place and, just not having the subtleties maybe to do it that Kevin O'Connell does. I don't know. I mean, we could debate mm-hmm. that. That's a whole episode unto its own, but, yep. um, but you're totally right that we're seeing a team that's got culture. Yep. That's got the right culture, you know? Yep. And I quite frankly, just, it, it's cringy to me to see Kirk cousins doing that on the plane. Like I just, yep. it just makes me cringe and maybe I'm being unfair, but it's like, and I don't know if it's fair to compare him to any other quarterbacks, but like I don't, you don't see Rodgers doing that or Brady doing that or Peyton Manning doing that, you know. But then someone could say, yeah, but Cousins isn't those guys. He's Cousins. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, you can't really say much about it. They're seven and one, you know. Yeah, 
I mean, honestly, I think you bring up a great point. And like I mentioned, you're the only one out of the group that's actually met him. So you understand his personality beyond what the media portrays. But I think, um, I think right now online, people are looking at it as like, oh, the team thinks Kirk is finally cool. And I actually don't look at it that way. I think they know he's nerdy. They know he's weird. I don't want to say they're laughing at him, but I think there's a a nerdiness level to it where like, like, oh, this is awesome and Kirk's nerdy versus, oh, we think Kirk is cool. I don't think it is that. I think it's maybe getting mislabeled publicly where I think there's a great culture there. Don't get me wrong. I think people are leaning into it. Uh, yeah. But I think it's maybe a little bit different than what people think it is. Yeah, you're probably right. The, I, I would be very certain to say the team knows that Kirk didn't just turn into a swagalicious, cool, like, you know, yeah. It's a ironic. loose guy. They, they <laughs> yeah. know he's not that, but yeah. they're seeing a guy in a leadership position who's willing to lack of a better term, drop down a level or two to the common man. Right. And, <laughs> and be one, one in the crew when there's no pressure. Mm-hmm. Look, it's the plane ride home. You really can't prepare for the bills yet. Right. No. You just won the game. So you don't need to temper your attitude or anything like that. So it's really the only time of the week where the quarterback can cut her, cut her loose. Really it is, you know, and they're seeing him do that. So they probably appreciate that about him. He's not taking himself too seriously. He's not, you know, looking down on other people for partying too much. So maybe it's a good thing. It's just hard for me to get used to it, especially from that guy. So, but you know, good, good for them. They're having a fun time. I know what those plane rides are like. It's fun. There's, there's really not as the regular season goes, there's really not much better than winning a road game. You know, and getting getting on the team bus, leaving the stadium, going to the airport, getting on the plane after a road victory. That's a good feeling, you know, and the Vikings have done that a number of times this season. So, you know, good to the victor go the spoils, as they say. Right. Um, The Bills did not experience that feeling last week, guys. The Bills lost to the Jets a close game. They lost by a field goal. I don't think they played very well at all. Josh Mm -hmm. Allen didn't have a touchdown pass and he had two picks. so your thoughts here on this Bills matchup, obviously people are going to talk about Josh Allen. They're going to talk about Stephon Diggs. Those are the two people everyone's going to talk about. But, you know, Leslie, Leslie Frazier's got a good defense over there. I think there are some problems on that Bills defense. The Vikings are going to have to figure out how to take care of. And mm-hmm. it's unlikely to be favorable weather conditions, and it's very likely to be loud and raucous. And it's possible this game um this is going to have that like prime time feel to it whether it gets moved or not it's going to have like a big big time playoff prime time feel to it so what are your thoughts here on this game i mean i'm most interested in uh seeing how kevin o'connell prepares this team because obviously they went into the eagles game really high off the last one and they got trucked in a lot of categories like i mentioned before there was a lot of drops that caused us to lose the game but i think we got the little bit of the the uh, wind knocked out of us. And I think it's important to see if Kevin O'Connell can adequately prepare this team Mm -hmm. saying, don't get high on last week's uh, win. Don't get high on our record. This is a very good team, arguably the best team in the league. They're probably going to be in the Super Bowl. We're probably going to meet up with them again if we do make it the distance. Um, Let's treat them with the respect that they deserve and seeing how they actually perform because um, I think we have the talent to beat them or at least to go toe-to-toe with them. I really do. Now, I don't think the rest of the national media thinks that. Um, but aside from our, maybe our interior uh, offensive line and our coverage, I truly think we have the talent to beat them. Uh, yeah. But I think it's all about preparation. Yep. Chase, your thoughts on this game? Uh, honestly, I felt a lot better at 
noon yesterday than at three yesterday, um, just because the Bills have something to prove now. Josh Agreed. Allen was not happy. Um, and his post game interview, he was saying it's really hard to win a game when your quarterback plays like, yep. you know, whatever. And um, <laughs> and that is something that you know that's where I feel like the Bear was prodded, and now we're going to get the worst of it. So I'm a little nervous for because I think the Bills are a really good team, and now they're uh, they're going to be they're going to be swinging. So yep. I, I agree with you on that, Chase. I actually was talking about this with a, with a buddy earlier today, and I'm like, if, if you're the Vikings, you, you you wish that the Bills would not have lost that game against the Jets. And there's no doubt that they're going to come back a more focused team at the start of their practice week than they would have if they had won that game. That's just human nature. It's how it is. I don't care how competitive you are, how diligent you are. You're going to come back on Wednesday more focused because you lost last week. The Bills will. So you know, that's just one of the edges or angles uh, to this game. Um, I think Josh Allen's elbow injury or non-injury is going to be something to watch too because I saw that he did get a little dinged and he said he's got some pain in his elbow. So that'll be interesting to see if he misses any practice time this week. And uh, yeah, I, I think this is a tone setter for how the Vikings are viewed for the rest of the season. They are a very under the radar seven and one team right now. And if they lose to the bills, they will be seven and two and they will still be the likely division winners in the NFC. And they will still likely be a top one, two seed in the playoffs, but they will remain under the radar. If they lose mm -hmm. this game, if the Vikings win this game, they will no longer be under the radar. They will be talked about every week. Everything they do will be heavily scrutinized. If they drop a game, they maybe should have won they're going to get questioned and it's going to be a frustrating week. And we're going to be talking about them the way we're talking about the bills having lost to the jets. Right. So this is a tone setter for the rest of the season for the Vikings from a national, how do they get talked about perspective? Yep. If you want to put the NFL on notice, you got to at least uh, be in the game. Yep. If not, win it. I would prefer yep. they win it obviously, but like yep. uh, show that you can go toe to toe with the best of the best. Yep. Um, and uh, you've had now nine weeks to try to get things to click. Defensively, I think you've done about as good as you can. Uh, offensively, if you can really truly scope in TJ Hawkinson into the offense correctly for this game, I truly think that we can at least be in the conversation for the game. Um, but I guess we'll see how things roll. Yep, going to be fun to watch, that's for sure. Vikings-Bills next Sunday, that game is at Buffalo. Uh, should be a good one to watch. A lot of talented players on the field, and then two teams with good, good, um, you know, good synergy, good culture uh, going at it. So this is definitely going to have that heavyweight fight type of feel, kind of similar to what it felt like watching Tennessee and Kansas City on Sunday night of this past week. So should be a lot of fun. And uh, this episode was a lot of fun. It was episode nine of the Wobcast 2.0. You liked that, and we hope you did like this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. We thank you for listening and we encourage you to find other episodes of the Wobcast in the past and in the future, wherever you find all your other favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. You can also find us on YouTube at Wobby on Twitter as well. Make sure you go and email us questions or comments if you want to be included in the show. The real Wobcast at gmail.com is where you can find that. Vikings and Bills next Sunday. Until then, for Giles and executive producer Chase, this is Wabi signing off for now. Skull Vikings.